All right, Erev Tov. Welcome again, everyone um, joining us this evening, both in person and, uh, and live uh, here on our virtual video conference. Nice to see everybody again. Hope the Chagim was great. Uh, tonight, Shi'ur is uh, sponsored by Mrs. Mila Nasinoma in memory of her mother, Hana Buhi Bat Don, and by the Kadosh slash Azulai family in memory of my dear grandfather, David Ben Mordechai, Zichonoli Brachati, Nafsham Turabit Rahaim. Words we say tonight, Bilayru Nishmatam. Of course, special parasha, Parashat Bereshit, first parasha of of the year, of the of like the new cycle. <clears throat> it's a very, uh, definitely one where the entire Torah is contained in the parasha. Chachamim tells us the entire parasha, and the entire Torah is contained in the first word. Um, in fact, it's the only Shabbat where we refer to the Shabbat as, uh, as the name of the parasha. This week is Shabbat Bereshit. And uh, we don't say next week is Shabbat Noach. We say next week is Shabbat Parashat Noach. It's Parashat Noach. But this week we call it uh, Shabbat Bereshit. <clears throat> and uh, some of our Chachamim want to explain the idea is that during the, during the high holidays, we, uh, we have thoughts of Teshuvah, obviously, and come closer to Hashem. And we've accepted upon ourselves some form of a New Year's resolution. Um, upon ourselves, good behavior, whatever it is, new mitzvot. And uh, every person according to their own ability and their own, and their own level. And that's why it's called Shabbat Bereshit. As if to say, a person is, re- is reminded that, you know, Masha Avar Avar, what passed is past. We're now in a new cycle. And from this moment, it's a new chapter. It's a Bereshit. It's in the beginning. And therefore, we have to encourage ourselves uh, to be better. But uh, what I want to speak to you about t- tonight, Bezrat Hashem, is um, one of the amazing traits that we are asked to work on constantly, and the trait that we find right, right at the start of the Torah. Uh, the, the Torah begins with the words, Bereshit para Elohim et et aretz. In the beginning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And uh, Rashi here famously comments, that God originally wanted to create the world with Midat Hadin. That's why it says the, the name that is used is Elohim, which represents strict judgment, um, instead of the name Yud Kei Vavke, uh, uh, the name that we pronounce um, as Ad, Adni. And the reason that he did not create the world with the name Yud Kei Vavke, says Rashi, is because he saw that the world would not, cannot be sustained. And uh, therefore, he united the attribute of mercy, the attribute of rachamim, with the attribute of din. And that's reflected later on in the second chapter of, of Sefer Bereshit, where it says, Be'yom asot Adonai Elohim Eretz On the day which God made, God using Yud Vavke and Elohim, the heaven and the earth, and there the name Yud Vavke is, is mentioned uh, first. So, Obviously, the question that many people ask, including the Shalah Kadosh, is it even possible to imagine or uh, suggest that HaKadosh Baruch Hu initially uh, intended to create the world one way with Deen, and then when he foresaw that the world could not survive, um, then he prioritized that of Rachamim and combined it with the attribute of Deen. Uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the be-all, end-all. He knows everything. He knew from the outset that, that the world could not survive with Midat Adin. 
And um, so therefore, that being the case, why did he initially consider the world being created or based on this attribute of Deen if it wouldn't, if it wouldn't work? So I gave one answer in my last podcast episode. So for those that haven't listened to it yet, I gave it on the night of Hoshana Rabbah. It's up on the, it's up on the website. You can listen to it. It's one answer that, uh, that I gave. But here's a new idea that uh, offers a very practical solution to, to the question. The Midrash tells us that why did God choose to begin the parasha or the Torah with the pasuk Bereshit bara Elohim? Midrash says it's in order to reveal to us God's humility, the anava of God. Uh, why? Because this is in direct contrast to the other kings of the world. Akadosh um, Baruch if he was to act like all the other kings, then they would usually put themselves first, their name first. But God did not begin the Torah with the name Elohim, which is him, but rather not. He puts his name after, Bereshit Bara Elohim. And this is based on the Midrash brought down Bereshit Rabbah in the name of Shimon ben Azai. Shimon ben Azai is expounding one of the Pesukim and Tehilim that says, tarbeni. David HaMelech says to God, you have treated me with great humility. What does that mean? Basar v'adam maskir shemo v'achar kach shevacho. A, 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 a earthly king will always mention his name first and then the accomplishments that he's done. Um, however, God is not that way. First he tells you what his accomplishments were and only then he's going to mention who he was. Right? In the beginning he created. Okay? And then he mentions Elohim. Elohim. So um, here we see a little bit of God's humility. So what is, what is this Midrash um, in the name of Ben Azai really coming to answer? So it's, it's re- in essence, it's coming to address a, a question in, found in the Tanah de Be'eliyahu, which asks, why, did the, why was the Torah start with the letter Bet, but not Aleph? The, the Midrash in Tanah de Be'eliyahu writes, Man Bet mikol kaf bet why that letter? Why the letter Bet and not Aleph? Made more sense. Elohim, God, Bara Bereshit. In the beginning, he created the heaven and the earth. That'll make more sense. So therefore, comes Ben Azai and he answers that we want to demonstrate the attribute of humility. Of, of God. So therefore, first he mentions the creation, then he mentions his name, which is opposite of what a human king would do. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu began the Torah and created the universe with the letter Bet and not with the letter Aleph to emphasize the importance of the attribute of Anava, of humility, which is the foundation of the entire Torah and of all creation. And in fact, according to the Zohar HaKadosh, the word Bereshit can be um, understood as um, as bet reshit or bait reshit, which means that the letter bet or the bait, the home, is uh, is what is reshit, what comes first. In essence, that the remez here, according to the Zohar, is that man first. Uh, one way of the one way that the Zohar continues talking about is that man first has to build his home. The bite is the Rashid. The bite is first before he actually goes out to look for a wife. That's what the Zohar goes on to teach us. But not only that, that one's home, 
one's bite is, it has to be of the attribute, uh, with the attribute of humility. A person's home should be consistent of that, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself demonstrated beginning the Torah with the letter Bet instead with the letter Aleph, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu will only dwell in a home that is founded with Anava, with uh, humility. In fact, there's a beautiful remez um, I once uh, read, a few times actually, uh, concerning the Tzarat, the Nega Tzarat that is found in a Jewish home. Of course, the skin disease, tzarat, is not just only on the skin, it can, it can land on the clothing, and it can also land on the walls of the home. And the Torah tells us that the one whom the house belongs to, so uh, person X owns a house that now has a lesion on the wall, and he has to go to the Kohen, and he goes to the Kohen and he says, something like an affliction has appeared to me in, uh, in the house. These afflictions, according to the Gemara Masechet uh, Arachin, uh, come as a result of arrogance. It comes as a regard of haughtiness. Also comes as a result of Lashon Hara. That's one of the main reasons for Tzarat, um, especially the ones that, that, that appear on the skin. But the ones that come on the, on the bait, on the walls of the home, all come as a result of arrogance and haughtiness. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu began the Torah with the letter Bet, from the, of the word Bereshit, to teach us the importance of humility. And for that reason, if a person fails to behave in a humble manner, then God will, will God forbid, visit afflictions on his home. His bite, his bet, is now going to be stricken with, uh, with affliction, warning him that you actually failed when it came to your letter bet, your humility. So therefore the Pasuk says, Uba Sher Lo the one whom the house belongs to, he goes to the Kohen saying that something like an affliction has afflicted my house. The owner of the house now has to do some serious introspection to look inside his soul and see to identify what was the reason uh, of, of the harm that, that, that he has caused. And then he has to proclaim, Kenega Nirali Babait, something like an affliction has appeared to me, uh, in the house. He has to confess that he damaged the bet, the letter bet of Bereshit, and he's been punished, um, as a result with an of house affliction. So what does the Kohen do? The Kohen has to go in, and clear the house. Before the Kohen comes to even look at the affliction, so that everything in the house will not be contaminated. Why? Again, he has to clear everything that caused this problem. All the arrogance, all the haughtiness, any type of gava that was that was infiltrated in the home must be removed in order for this nega to be removed. How important is the quality of anava, humility to Akados Baruchu? Uh, the Gemara Merosh Hashanah, when discussing the ten pesukim that we read for Malchuyot in on Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, the Gemara tells us, "Hani asara Malchuyot keneged me." Whom do these ten pesukim of sovereignty Malchuyot respond, correspond to? Rabbi Yochanan says, "Keneged asara ma'marot shebahen olam." It corresponds to the ten utterances that God said to create the world. God said, there shall be like God said this. There were 10 of them. Um, but if you actually count how many times it says, you're actually not going to count 10. You're going to count 9. There's only 9 times it says in the, in the creation 
by Yomer Elohim. So the Gemara answers, don't worry, Bereshit Nami Ma'amaru. The actual phrase, Bereshit Bara Elohim Tashamayim Betaharet, that is the, the, the first out of the ten. That is the first of the ten. And, and with the word of God, the heavens and the earth were, uh, were created. What is the tenth utterance? By Yomer Elohim, God said, Naase Adam Betzalmenu Kidmutenu. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So the first utterance, in the beginning God will create the world, God revealed his humility, like we said, by not mentioning his name, right? First, he only waited, he waited till the third word to mention his name. And so too, in the tenth utterance, when it says, Adam is let us make man, he uttered it in a plural tense. And of course, famous Rashi there says, we here learn unbelievable degree of God's humility. Why? Man was created in the image of the angels and they would be envious of him. So what did God do? He consulted with them. Let us do it. Of course, later on the Torah says, only Hashem was the one who created man. So not for anybody to think that the angels were involved in the creation of man, but at least he consulted with them. And we're not, this is a different discussion as to what that consultation consisted of. But nevertheless, again, showing the level of humility. You should begin to appreciate the, the, the importance the quality of Anava in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so much so that it was emphasized in the first utterance and the last one in which the world was created. One of the beautiful Remazim that I said previously in, in one, of, one of my drashot, this whole idea can be learned from the Pasuk in Tehilim, which we read on Hallel. One of the Pasukim, we just spent uh, eight days reading Hallel. Even ma'asu habonim hayita pina. Which literally means the stone despised by the builders has become the cornerstone. This has emanated from Hashem. It is wondrous in our eyes. Now the word Evan, which means a stone, is an acronym for the first and uh, the last utterance. Uh, all not in order. So Bet is Bereshit. The Bet in the word Evan is Bereshit. And the Nun and the Aleph is Naase Adam. Let us make man. Those are those three letters uh, correspond to the first and the last, in which Hakadosh Baruch Hu represented, uh, revealed his humility, and that represents the cornerstone of the creation. So, what does it mean? Even Maasu Abonim, the kings of the nation who wanted to build their their own world, they despised this concept of Evan. They despised the idea of Bereshit and Naase Adam. They weren't interested. In that it was, it was all about themselves, it was about their arrogance. They despise the quality of humility, which is alluded to in the word Evan. But they didn't know that that Evan is the Rospina, is the pinnacle. That's the whole reason why this world was created was for the, to to to, to, to uh, uh, emulate God's humility, and that's our job here, as we're going to get to soon. This Hashem acted with humility. Um, by consulting the angels, as we learn, by creating the world with humility. And that is something that is something so difficult for us to fathom. It's wonder. It's a wonder to us that the king of all kings, Melech Malchea Melachim, exhibited this humility um, simultaneously with his, uh, with his greatness. A beautiful, beautiful allusion there. 
Um, so not only did HaKadosh Baruch Hu begin the Torah with this vital lesson of, of uh, the importance of humility, but he also concluded the Torah with a similar lesson. The Gemara rules, according to Rav Asheh, that when writing the Sefer Torah, the last words of Le'ene Kol Yisrael, the last three words, must end in the middle of a line. They cannot end at the end, they have to end at the middle. So the Megaleh Amukot, I was okay to visit his, his kever in Krakow, Megaleh um, Amukot says, what's the symbolic meaning to this halacha? Why does the Torah have to end in the middle of the line? He said, because ending in the middle of the line teaches a person that even if you've studied the entire Torah, rest assured you're not nearly done. you still got a lot more to go. And you've only completed really part or a small part of, uh, of your journey. So look at that. The conclusion of the Torah beautifully connects with the beginning of the Torah. The words in the conclusion of Le'ene Kol Yisrael in the middle of the line teaches humility, conveys the message that there's so much work to be done. And where do we find the strength uh, not to fall prey to arrogance, not to fall prey to haughtiness or become overly proud of our accomplishments. Where do we find that? The answer is in the, be- the, uh, in the beginning of the Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu opened the Torah with Bereshit Bara Elohim to emphasize the importance of the attribute of Anava. And therefore, we are obligated to emulate God's ways. Just like God is, is merciful, just like you are merciful, and so too we have to be merciful. So therefore, we have to act with humility as well. His portion is his people. We are, we are a part of him. And therefore, um, uh, we are like Yaakov, it's like a rope that every Jew possesses a piece of God himself. Of course, as in this week's parasha, that God blew into the nostril of the soul of life. And therefore, it's precisely because of that that every Jew possesses uh, a piece of Hashem with him. And therefore, that's why we are able to emulate the qualities of Hashem. So, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted specifically to teach us a lesson of humility at the end of the Torah and as well at the beginning? Um, one of the answers that's brought down is the famous Gemara Masechetani, where the Torah is compared to water. Words of Torah compared to water. To teach us is just like water flows from higher ground to lower ground, so too the words of Torah are only retained by someone who possesses humility, a lowly self-image. This is what the Gemara says, a lowly self-image. And, that, and that's the reason why the Torah was given on, on, on Mount Sinai, on Har Sinai, the lowest of all mountains. Again, as we know, uh, the Gemara tells us to emphasize uh, humility. Rav Yosef says, that a person should also learn um, sensibility of his uh, of his creator because when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah he gave it on the lowest of all mountains uh, on Har Sinai and he totally ignored the rest of the mountains they, all these majestic mountains he wanted no business with Rashi says this is how we value the concept of modesty and humility from the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu passed over all these great mountains all of Har, uh, Har Kalmel Har Tabor in order to give the uh, in order to give the Torah on Har Sinai. So this is actually a new way of looking at what we're, what we're saying right now. A new insight as to why HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifically chose to give the Torah to Bnei Israel, excluding all the other nations. Why? Because only Bnei Israel possess this incredible quality 
of humility, which is essential for attaining and retaining the knowledge uh, of the Torah. The, the, the Torah tells us in Parashat Vatchanan, Lo meru mikol amim God didn't choose B'nai Israel. Moshe is telling the Jewish people, God didn't choose you because you're more numerous than them. We know we're not more numerous than the other nations. But In fact, you are just a small amount. So, uh, so the, the Gemara, which expounds on this, uh, um, on this Pasuk, says something unbelievable. That God said to B'nai Israel, you want to know what's the reason why I desire you as my people? Uh, because you humble yourselves before me. And he gives examples. He says, I granted greatness to Abraham. He was, he was the first. You know what he said? I am earth and ashes. That was his response. I granted greatness to Moshe and Aharon. And they said, um, uh, what are we? We are, we are nobody. It's Moshe and Aharon. I granted greatness to David Amelech, And he says, I'm a worm. I'm not a man. I, uh, but with respect to the, the enemies, to the idolaters, the Gemara tells us that God gave power to Nimrod, and Nimrod says, "Come, let us build a city and go and go and fight." I got a, a greatness to 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 Paro, Melech Misraim, and God and, and Paro says, "Mi Hashem, who is God? Who is this God that you, that you're referring to?" I granted greatness to Sancherim, and Sancherim also say, "Which among the gods are you referring to?" I granted greatness to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says, "I will ascend over the top of the clouds and go fight God." And then the last is Melech Sur, king of Tyre. And he said, I occupied the seat of God in the heart of the seas. So look at the difference. Look at the difference between the Jewish leaders and the non-Jewish leaders. So based on this, it makes perfect sense why HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose to give us the Torah specifically through Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe was exceedingly humble more than any other person on the face of the earth. The attribute of humility is the foundation of the entire Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose B'nai Israel from all other nations due to their enormous humility. And therefore, similarly, God gave us the Torah through Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai to emphasize that humility and modesty are the basis of our uh, religion. Um, not only is humility the foundation of our Torah, but arrogance would actually make would, be, would become the the uh, instigator, the mother of all sin, because the opposite of uh, of humility. The Gemara Masechet Sota says that the Shekhinah only rests on someone who is modest and has uh, and uh, and uh, humble. As we know, because the Shekhinah rested on Har Sinai, which was the most humble of all mountains. And what about those people who are haughty? What about those people who live a life of arrogance and pride? The Gemara tells us, Kol adam Any person that has a, 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 a level of haughtiness in spirit, God says, I mean him, we can't be in the same world together. We can't. Impossible. Why does that matter? Why do I care if God and him can't be in the same world together? Let the guy be. He's a sinner like all the other sinners. He's like another sinner. So why does God have to Dafka say, he and I cannot be in the same world together? So Yitzro Shel Adam, the inclination of man, we have an evil inclination. We have a Yitzara that is ready to overtake us and destroy us every single day. And the Gemara tells us, 
If God didn't help us, we'd be finished. We wouldn't last one day. Like, we, don't, we don't even stand the chance. That's how powerful Yitzhara is. But God gives us the ability to fight it and conquer it. So we see that it is not humanely possible without God's assistance to defeat the Yitzhara. But the arrogant person, the haughty person, with whom HaKadosh Baruch Hu refuses to dwell. God says, I'm not dwelling with the guy. Right? I'm only going to be, my Shekhinah is only going to come with the, with the modest people, with the humble people. Therefore, this person lacks a divine assistance that is necessary to overcome and withstand the Yetzirah. And that's why he's susceptible to all transgressions. And that's why, any person who is, possesses haughtiness, it's like he worships idols. Because he, God's not with him. So, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't even care about God. is not even there to, to protect him, to assist him. This idea is brought down in Rabbeinu Yonah Sharei Teshuvah, and he says, beautiful, a very powerful statement, Not only does arrogance actually cause someone to sin, He says the actual trait is a sin. It's a big chidush. He brings a pasuk, So every, every haughty heart is an abomination to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem finds this person to be an ab- abomination to him because he wants nothing to do with him. And because he's so arrogant, he thinks, you know, he, he thinks everything revolves around him and he's so proud uh, for the wrong reasons that it, it, it leads to his demise. And this is why Akados Baruch Hu emphasized his great love for the attribute of Anava immediately with the giving of the Torah, by giving the Torah through Moshe Rabbeinu, the humblest of all men, on Har Sinai, the lowest of the mountains. He was conveying the message that without the attribute of Anavam, receiving the Torah would serve no purpose. There's no purpose of getting the Torah. Without HaKadosh Baruch Hu's aid, then uh, that aid, that assistance of resting his Shekhinah on a person who's humble, one's incapable of observing even the most minor mitzvah. Because you have the Yetzirah right next to you, pounding you over the head over and over again. And you need God's assistance. Tremendous. If you just think about it. Right? Ah, okay, I shake a lulav. How difficult is it for me to shake a lulav? I grab a lulav, I grab a, a nitrog, and I start shaking the lulav. There you go. I, I did the mitzvah. No, if God wasn't there helping you, you, can, you wouldn't shake the lulav. You'd start coming with a thousand reasons why, why this is stupidity. Right? You'd probably throw it in the garbage. You know, you know, use it to, to make a tea or something like that, or, or, or toss your salad. Now, this is what, that's what the Yetzirah would be doing. But no, God's there helping us, and therefore we're able to perform the mitzvah. And this is maybe also why HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose to begin the Torah with Berashit Parah Lokim, a lesson in humility, conclude the Torah with La'eneh Kol Israel, another lesson in, in humility, seeing that the Torah was founded on the notion of humility, and it's compared to water, which also seeks the lowest place to, uh, to rest. Therefore, the Torah begins and ends with humility. It starts at the top and also flows its way to the bottom to provide us with the necessary tool to be able to retain the wisdom of the Torah. And maybe now we can have a better understanding of why HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose to exhibit this humility by beginning, beginning the Torah with the word Bereshit rather than the name Elohim. Rashi says, Bereshit, Bishvil HaTorah Shenikret Reshit, Darko. Bereshit is Bishvil Reshit, for the purpose of, of the first, which is the Torah, which is Reshit Darko, the first of all ways. Ubishvil Israel, and it's for the Jewish people, Shenikret Reshit Tevuato. 
So it's, uh, Rashi's actually admitting that Bereshit para Elohim is linguistically incorrect. It's not the proper way to, to, to word a sentence, to formulate a sentence. The reason that Kadosh Baruch Hu Dafka wanted that way is so because the Torah was, oh sorry, the world was created for the Torah, the sake of the Torah, which is the Rashid, and for Am Yisrael, which is also Rashid. And not only is the Torah and Am Yisrael considered Rashid, also Moshe Rabbeinu is considered Rashid. Vayar Rashid Lo, we see in, in, uh, in uh, Parashat Hazinu as well. So Moshe Rabbeinu is Rashid. So we have this three-stranded cord. The Torah, Israel, Moshe Rabenu, all representing humble and humility. Only a humble person can retain the Torah. Akados Baruch Hu chose Bnei Israel because of their humility. Moshe Rabenu is the epitome of humility. The term Rashid encompasses all three of them, and therefore God revealed His humility through the word Bereshit. However, I did not title this lesson as I didn't title it humility. I titled it Levtov. I titled it A Good Heart. So those that pay attention to the titles, and they're probably wondering, where's the, where's the good heart over here? Like, well, I've been talking about humility until now. So what does humility mean? Stop for a moment and ask yourselves, what exactly is to be humble? What does it mean to be humble? Uh, it's, it's a phrase that is often misunderstood. It, it, many people mistakenly think that it's just walking around lowering our head. Maybe there's some truth to that. Um, a lot, maybe people running away from their kavod, from the honor. Maybe there's truth to that too. But humility is not so much in the external gestures that we give off, but it also has to stem from deep down inside of us. And the true sign of humility is something that is difficult to acquire. Um, the, Gemara, the Mishnah Masechet Avod, one that we are all very familiar with, it was said about the student Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. They asked him, What is the best path that a person should, should take in life? And uh, one, Rabbi Eliezer said, A good eye. Rabbi Yoshua said, A good friend. Rabbi Yosef said, A good neighbor. Rabbi Shimon says, One who sees the, the outcome of his actions. And the last of the rabbis was Rabbi Al-Azhar ben Arach. And he said, Leftov. He said, A good heart. This was his answer. And Rabbi Yochanan said, the rabbi said, I prefer the words of Rabbi Elazar ben Arach, good heart, over your words, because in his, incorporated in his words is all of your words. What he, what he mentioned with good heart that includes all of what, what you've said. What does this mean? What, why is, why is a good heart better than a good eye or a good neighbor or one who foresees the outcome of his actions? So it says, He says, because the heart is what activates all the other faculties. All actions stem from the heart. And although we do actions with our different limbs, but the, what sets them in motion comes from the lid. Okay, so we still need to understand um, the meaning of Levtov, because this is, we're saying this is encompasses all the other good midot. Why didn't any of the students mention humility? Uh, that's such a great midot too. So there's uh, an amazing um, uh, commentary in the name of Rabbi Yudal Lerma that says, what is the meaning of Levtov? Ki mimenu novot kol deot ha'adam 
ובכלל זו כולם. לב טוב, a good heart, encompasses all of a person's thoughts and opinions. וכוונת לב טוב היא מידת הסבלנות. He says, the objective of a good heart is tolerance. סבלנות, how many times you heard that? סבלנות, patience, tolerance. The ability to tolerate even, uh, whether it's a person or a thing, when things don't go your way in order to avoid anger. And seeing that humility actually incorporates all the good midot, so therefore, says Rabbi Yochanan, is like, that's a left top. That, that's the best thing you can get, is a left top, is the ability to that things are going your way and you tolerate it. The quality of left top is very much synonymous with the quality of, of humility. Because that, uh, which encompasses all the great, uh, the Midot. And that's why Rabbi Al-Azhar ben Arach says, Lev Tov is the way to, Shidabek Ba'adam, that a person should cling to. That's going to be the, the, the determining factor to see whether this person is truly humble or he's not truly humble. If he's a master of tolerance, if he's a person that avoids anger, then you know that this person is a humble individual. However, if he's strict, if he's intolerant, uh, and you know, if you don't show him proper respect, he gets angry and he gets enraged, uh, then it's a, it's a sign that he is far, far from anava. And even this man can lower his head all day long, right? And walk and shy away from kavod. But d- depending on his reaction to see if he can tolerate certain things that don't go his way, that will tell you if he's a true uh, humble person. Just because he puts his head down, that's just maybe superficial displays uh, that are unrelated to true, true humility. Uh, it says the Bnei Sashar on the word Lev Tov. Unbelievable. Very famous perush of him. At the beginning of the Torah, there are 32 words that precede the first time the word Tov is mentioned. Lev, of course, is numerical value 32. So you count 32 words, and you get to the word Tov. So there you go, 32 words, and then you get to the good heart. So uh, the quality of Lev Tov, like we said, synonymous with that of humility. So it makes sense why HaKadosh Baruch Hu would allude to this attribute of Lev Tov right at the beginning of Sefer Bereshit, the beginning of the Torah, because God himself chose to open with the letter Bet, with Bereshit instead of with the letter Aleph to allude to his own, to his uh, humility. Um, continuing along this idea, um, let us go back to the question that Rashi asked, that we started with the shiur, the shiur with. Rashi said, asked, I uh, said, the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world with Elohim, um, it's, uh, he originally intended to create it with Midat Adin, with strict judgment, but he saw it wouldn't work. So therefore, he uh, incorporated Midat uh, Rachamim. He gave priority to Midat Rachamim. So now, we've just said that Lev Tov, a good heart, is defined as being tolerant and avoiding anger, which means that a person must be able to forego his kavod. That's what it is. Being tolerant, being ma'avi amidotav. What does the Gemara say about Ma'avir al-Midotav? Amar kol ma'avir al-Midotav, ma'avir no'a kol pesha'av. Anybody who foregoes, who relinquishes his rights, he lets things pass, the Beddin Shalmala relinquishes 
his sins for him. And the Gemara brings Pesukim to, to prove it. And Rashi says on this an unreal statement. Look what he says. He doesn't, he's not meticulous, he doesn't exact measure of retribution for people that cause him harm. And he just lets it go. At the same time, his transgressions are overlooked and Midat Hadin does not exact punishment over him. Just like he let things go, Midat Hadin says he lets him go too. So it turns out that a sign of humility, which we said, again, hand in hand with Lev Tov, which incorporates all the good Midot, is one's ability to forgo retribution to a person who has done wrong to him, or like Rashi says, he does not calculate the exact measure of retribution of the people that did bad to him. There's once a story, uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yochanan Aibshitz, he says he once heard a member of his congregation crying out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, pouring out his heart in prayer on Yom Kippur, Afar ani bemitati. He says, I am dust in my life, all the more so my dad, one of the most famous lines in the Amidah of Yom Kippur. Right after that Amidah, he goes to the Parnas, he goes to the Gabai, and he starts leveling him with insults and how upset he is. And, you know, I didn't get this Aliyah or whatever reason, you didn't give me this to sing. And you know, all this screaming at the guy, right? Because you didn't give me the proper kavod. She couldn't believe it. So the, the Rav, Rav Ibshitz went, went up to him and goes, I understand, I, I just saw you. You're, you're crying with tears. Uh, I am dust in my life, all the more so in my death. Such intensity. You just go to the Gabai and you, you know, you're screaming about your own honor and your own kavod. So the man said, Rabbi, when it comes to God, yeah, I'm dust when I'm alive, for sure. But when it comes to another person, the Gabai, he's like me. I'm not willing to forego my kavod. And that was his response. Sad, right? It's sad. It's not a person who's ma'avir um, amidotav. In fact, one of the commentators say on the pasuk which we quoted before, ve'aish Moshe anav me'od mikol adam, that this man Moshe was exceedingly humble, more than any person on earth. It teaches us that not to think that Moshe Rabbeinu was only humble when it came to God, but no, Moshe Rabbeinu was the was the humblest of all men, even with everybody else, even with the parnas, even with the gabai. He let things go. It wasn't only when he was talking with God, he was humble. Oh my gosh, I don't deserve all this. No, even when he dealt with the people, the leader of all leaders, he was humble in his dealings with each and every human being. So we've attempted to gain a little bit better of an understanding of the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Initially, he wanted to create the world with Midat Hadin, but he saw that the world couldn't survive with Midat Hadin. So therefore, he gave precedence to Midat Rachamim, the, the, the Midah of Mercy, and joined with Midat Adin. Where does this teach me? Unbelievable. This act actually shows us that God, Kiviyachol, so to speak, did not stand on his own kavod with Midat Adin. God is showing us humility by foregoing the Midat Adin. This is what he originally intended. If God was going to stand his ground and no one would blame him for it, God would say, this is what I decided. Too bad for you. This is the way it's going to work. You punch your friend, you're going to break your arm every single time. That's the way it's going to be. Right? You say, 
You're, you can't talk. This is the way it's going to be. But no, God actually was ma'avir on his own midot for the sake of the world to survive. He gave preference to midat rachamim so that the world could survive. So the, uh, it teaches the world can only survive as well if man, just like again, we have to emulate God, if man is willing to yield and not stand on his uh, own kavod. A person who does not stand on his own kavod and learns from the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God also doesn't hold up to hold him to the standards of Midat Adin. Midat Adin turns a blind eye and says, okay, you know what? You gave up. You, you weren't even care about your kavod. I'm not going to care so much of the sins. I'm not going to exact punishment. I'm not going to exact revenge. I'm going to let it go. But if a person refuses to forgo his kavod, and sticks to his honor, and he acts haughty, and he acts arrogant, and he hasn't learned from the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then midah keneged midah. It's only fitting that God is not going to yield his kavod for him. And he's going to, he's going to persist to deal with this individual in such a way with midah tadim, because that was his plan at the original creation. That's the way he wanted to do it in the first place. So you want me to, to, to bend the rules a little bit? So you got to start bending the rules when someone comes and attacks you. You just got to let it go. We'll conclude with this. Uh, a Gemara in Masechet Ta'anit, a story with Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva, two colleagues, two of the greatest Tanaim that ever lived. And there was a shortage of rain. We're in the season of rain now. And uh, so they went, both went to pray. They both went to pray. Gemara tells us, Masechet Rabbi Eliezer Shiara Livnia Teva Lipalea Geshamim. Ve'amar Esrim Ve'arba Berachot Vlo Na'ana. Yeah, no, no. He, he, he went and he prayed 24 brachot and he was not answered. These are not regular blessings of us laymen. These were great tanaim. No answer. Not a cloud showed up. Yadad Rabbi Akiva hara ve'amar. Comes Rabbi Akiva afterwards. And he says, Avinu malkenu enanu melech elata. Avinu malkenu lemanach rachem alenu. Ve'yardu geshavim. Ah, thunderstorm, rain, non-stop. One of those good soakings. That came. So the Gemara says, Havu rabbanan. The rabbis began to murmur, oh, this Rabbi Eliezer, I guess he doesn't have it, right? Yeah, he's, you know, maybe he's missing something. Maybe he did something wrong in his life because he wasn't answered. Yatsta batkol ve'amra. A heavenly voice came out and says, Lo gadol Don't think that Rabbi Akiva was answered because he's greater than then Rabbi Eliezer, but rather Rabbi Akiva, one of the students of Hillel, was able to forego. When people did things wrong, he's a more forgiving person. Rabbi Eliezer was less of a forgiving person. In other words, Rabbi Akiva's tefillah was answered because he didn't stand on his own kavod. He was more yielding and more forgiving in his dealings with other. There's a, a, the, in fact, the, the, the Gemara Masechet Sukkah, we just learned that Yomi not long ago, Lama tfilatan Why is the tefillah of the righteous like compared to a pitchfork? And the, 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 the term used for tefillah when Yitzchak prayed is the word Vayetar. Ma atar Just like a pitchfork is able to turn over and toss the grain from one place to another, so too, so too the tefillot of the righteous are able to flip the 
the attributes of God from midat achzariut to midat rachavanu to an attribute of anger from an attribute of anger to an attribute of mercy. So what is the whole purpose of tefillah? Again, switching this midah of God from midat adin to rachamim. Therefore, when a person, the tefillah of a person, his own personal tefillah, but not of any person, a person who does whatever he could to forego his own kavot, who's ma'avir midotav, who demonstrates that he learned from God the attribute of humility that stems from this opening pasuk, causes a kadosh paruchum to transform midat adin into midat arachamim, midat keneget midat. But a person who refuses to uh, let things go causes a kadosh paruchu also to act accordingly. And he does not abdicate his midat adin as well. And this person's tefillah is incapable of accomplishing the tra- this transformation of midat arachamim into midat arachamim. So as we begin a new cycle of uh, the Torah starting this Shabbat, um, it's a valuable lesson that we that we must learn from the thoughts and the acts of Hakadosh Baruch Hu himself at the time of creation. We have to embrace the attribute of humility, which is of course synonymous hand in hand with that of a good heart, the ability to be tolerable and tolerant of things that may go against us or, or people that may cause us some discomfort or some hard. It's best to let things go. Look at Hakadosh Baruch Hu created the world that way. Ah, okay, I'm not going to stick with my guns. I'm not going to stick with my kavod. I'm going to I'm going to create the world with midat rachamim, with an attribute of mercy too, and that's what we have to work so hard to subdue the yetzer hara, the evil inclination of arrogance, and avoid seeking revenge, and not stand on our own pride and our own honor. And by doing so, we'll fulfill the statement of Rava Kol by forgiving others, by letting things pass. Our transgressions will also be forgiven. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will accept all our tefillah, just like he accepted Rabbi Akiva's. And that rain brought tremendous brachan blessing, not only to the land of Israel, but to all Klai Yisrael. And we'll be zochet to that. As well, wishing everybody a wonderful night. Good night.